to the False Neutral Podcast. This is episode 75, our Diamond Jubilee episode <laughs> uh, for March of 2018, your monthly audio magazine of all things motorcycle, but not really because it's just those parts of motorcycling that we're apt to talk about. So that's right. With me are Eric and Garrett, and we're on a streak because this is like our third or fourth episode, I guess is our third third episode in a row that we've all been present for and that hadn't happened in a while no it has been a while and i think it's funny how long it took us to realize that this is not only our 75th episode but our third year or into our third year of doing this podcast uh which is pretty cool i like that yeah it's uh that's that's a big thing i mean you think about everyone i mean to we had a few stops and starts along the way but to make it through two years, that's that's an accomplishment. I mean, yeah. not many not many shows make it that long. Yeah, and we still somewhat like each other too. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> this well, is true. I, uh, I was talking with uh, Cameron Vanderhorst, host of our sister Hooniverse podcast, the uh, Camden Tub, and he was very surprised to learn that we didn't know each other before we started before we did the little Hooniverse star search to staff up yeah. this podcast <laughs> yeah right no i remember that too i remember coming across that uh that post because i was you know a Hooniverse fan and then i saw that you could be a star and i'm like leave to my wife i could be a star look at this <laughs> <laughs> not sure i am but and the rest uh, is history, and now you're world famous, and and that's have right. TMZ writing reports about you, and all that kind of good yeah, stuff. yeah, world Making famous, it. I guess technically, yeah, we do have some listeners in different parts of the world, but famous, yeah, maybe, maybe not. It, it suffice to say that it has not uh, drastically changed our lifestyles. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you drinking, Eric? I am drinking a um, Goose Island Rambler Red IPA. Is it good? Not bad. I'm not a huge yeah. IPA guy, but this one yeah. isn't isn't too bad. I can't do IPAs, which is uh, ironic because in the Portland area, oh, IPAs yeah. are like the only thing anybody drinks. And I think because it's Portland, they feel like IPAs need to be even more hoppy. Yes. And, which is what I don't like about IPAs. And so it's just like extreme bitterness yep. and beer around this area. So There's even a- I've, I've found that they add hops to literally everything. Um, and so it's hard to even just get a regular ale that's not <laughs> like completely saturated with hop flavor. Michigan is either the second or third largest state for microbreweries. Oh, we yeah. have a couple, couple big ones. And um, I think it's, I think it's Founders, um, who's got this one called uh, Humalicious or something, Humas, whatever. But it's like it's like chewing hops, yeah. <laughs> and people. So there's yeah. certain people just love it. I'm like, I had one. I had one. Yeah. <laughs> right? You can kind of say like, you yeah, had one, and that's all. You... Exactly. It, it's too much for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. Garrett, you're you're drinking some quality H2O. Some quality H2O. Yeah. Um, I was going to have a beer, but I decided I'd wait for a little bit and drink some water. I was out mowing the yard. We have some spectacular spring 70-degree weather, um, and so I've been out doing some yard work, and uh, I'm hydrating so I can uh, 
crack open a fat tire in a little bit. Um, which leads me to what I was going to say. I don't know if you guys saw the picture that I sent you, but my FZ1 is up on the, the work stand. Uh, not because it's getting upgraded or modified in any way, but because it needs to be repaired, as I discovered the what's other day going, when I went to write on with it. Well, we had a beautiful, nice day a couple of few days ago, and I started the bike up and I was going to go for a ride and it was warming up and I saw a puddle of coolant starting to develop underneath it. And the coolant was coming from a weep hole, which is in the oil pan because the water pump is underneath the oil pan. It's integrated with the oil pump driven by a chain off of the crankshaft. Uh, so I have to rebuild the water pump on it, which wouldn't be a big deal on many motorcycles, but these Yamahas, uh, it is, I I wouldn't call it a big deal, but it is a huge pain in the ass because you have to not only take off the, the oil pan, which in itself isn't that big of a deal, but, um, to get the whole water pump and oil pump assembly out of it, uh, is really a pain in the butt. It is really a pain in the butt. So um, I don't have a ton of free time right now. So I'm just kind of doing like a nut and bolt here and there uh, <laughs> when I get some time. And uh, so I, I took the exhaust off of it, drained all the fluids yesterday. And I'm going to start cracking open the pan and uh, seeing what I got to do to replace the seals on it. So not not the best place for my motorcycle to be uh, at the beginning of spring. And it's probably going to honestly be up there for a few weeks. Uh, which is unfortunate, but that's where we're at. I, uh, I had the opportunity to trade my car for a motorcycle this week. Your Mustang? Um, yeah, my Mustang. I, yeah. I, it's because it's the beginning of March. I'm like around here. I mean, it's still 35 degrees and there's a little snow on the ground. So, but it's like, yeah, you know, people are starting to get tax returns and right. get the itch, right? So now's a good time to list. And, um, like literally no one wanted to buy it, but I had like seven offers for trades for like, jeeps and other cars and you know and one guy sends me a link to his motorcycle for sale which is for sale for a thousand bucks less than what my car is i'm like yeah okay well and i'm like yeah well what is it and it's like one of my least favorite sport bikes a Honda. it was a it was a, a 2800 no it was a 2015 so it was relatively new but it was a cbr 600 oh yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that bike but it's a dime a dozen bike. Exactly. And, you know, he had it listed for like eight grand. And I think it had a few things done to it. But I'm just like, man, that, that's a divorce bike. Wait until somebody's yeah. getting a divorce and you can pick one up really cheap. Yeah. I, I just like and I look like eight grand seems high for that bike. And then I looked at what a new one costs. and They're like twelve five new. So I'm like, OK, well, there's a re- there's a bit of yeah. a reality yeah. check for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was that. And then. um I, during the uh, during the week or last week, um, when was it? Yeah, it was a week ago. Uh, Motorcyclist magazine did their video shootout for the uh, like the three to four hundred cc sport bikes. And I'm watching it, and it kind of came out exactly like you thought it would. And so, just for giggles, I looked at like, all right, what's a KTM 390 going for these days? Right, there's a local dealer around here um, about. 45, 40 minutes away from where I live that has a leftover 16 or 17. I can't remember which one it was um, for $4,000. 
and uh, they are offering one. Oh, sorry, it's a, it's a seventeen for thirty nine ninety eight with zero point nine nine percent financing for sixty months. <laughs> <laughs> so that works out to a whopping sixty eight dollars a month. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm just like, man, that's a freaking. That's my coffee bill for a month. Well, not really, but well, actually, it almost is because I did buy the five pound bag of Monk's coffee and that lasts me about six weeks. So our Mystic Monk coffee. So, you know, it's not far off. I'm I'm drinking Um, a delicious Mystic Monk Vespers decaf because it's about ah. uh, six o'clock in the evening here. Um, so that was slightly tempting other than the fact of the only reason I want that bike would be to go racing and I'm in no condition physically, (laughs) let alone financially (laughs) to go, to go club racing on a motorcycle right now. So like it was a nice idea, but yeah, (laughs) let's be honest with myself. Yeah. Do you have any other fish on the line for that Mustang? I know we should be talking about motorcycles, but I'm just curious if you're. No, everyone. I after about the seventh or eighth offer to trade something, I went back to my uh, my ads and then the different places I had it, and, and literally said, "Not looking for trade, looking to sell to fund a, another project." Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, well, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all the offers have stopped. <laughs> and unfortunately, a Mustang is to cars kind of what a CBR 600 is to bikes. There's a lot of them out there for sale all the time. Now, yours, yeah, although yours, yours not, has a lot of really cool stuff done to it and is a little special, but it, yeah, you got to be somebody looking for those particular mods to a Mustang. Cause there's, yeah, yeah it's like a there. CBR 600 with forged wheels. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's cool. It's got forged wheels, but there's also some other, yeah. No, but it's, I'm sure I would love to have that Mustang if I could afford it. I would love to have it. But the sure. the unfortunate thing is, is that the people who are interested in it are the come in two flavors. They're either the I'm not going to buy. I'm going to build. Right. But they're also mm-hmm. so broke. They can't really afford to build it, even though that's exactly what they'd want to build. Right. Yeah. And it costs um, twice as much yeah, to, build exactly, it as well, it to buy it. Exactly. I did the math on it a couple months ago, and I'm literally selling it for like 45 cents on the dollar. Yeah. So. It's for $9,000 in case anyone wants a 452 horsepower to the wheel, 95 Mustang with a manual transmission. <laughs> should go 10s. Haven't taken it to the track, but based on power to weight and everything else, should go about 1075, 1080 in a quarter mile at about a buck 26, buck 25, something like that. What would, what kind of, what would that be equivalent to in a bike? A 10 second bike would be maybe. Well, that's a liter, a liter bike. Well, yeah. I mean, they'll run in the high nines, but. But then, With an average person, uh, an R1. Yeah, maybe, uh, yeah. 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 Yep. That's about right. So, Garrett, have you been up to anything in your workshop other than your <clears throat> re- water pump repair? Well, I had a few engines laying around that I wasn't ever going to use. So, I ended up, uh, it took some time to, you know, kind of get the engines out, um, list them for sale. And so I did sell them. Uh, I have my, my Kawasaki, the KX250 is completely torn down, um, and ready to start some reassembly. Uh, my little Honda 50 is at the similar point. I still have yet to finish, um, my powder coating oven, although I did do some work to it and I had some pictures Ooh. I was going to post. Um, 
so because I'm just kind of waiting to get that that oven finished up so I can uh, powder coat all of my parts and then start the reassembly on it. So that's where that's at. I also I have a MGB that I'm getting ready to sell. So I've kind of been focusing on that because it's that time of year where I need to start thinking about getting it listed. Uh, and so the motorcycles have kind of taken a, a backseat to some of the other projects that I've needed to move forward. But not to go off on a complete tangent here, but had, sorry. And, and had someone offered me like a Ducati or a Prilia rather than the Honda, then yes, I probably would have made that deal just because, but, um, you mentioned the, the oven and, and I remember us talking about it probably after the show last time and I looked it up and like, Oh yeah, those aren't that bad to build. But in the process, I've been watching this guy company who are building this experimental aircraft and it's uh-huh. going to be all carbon fiber. And so it got me like, Oh, how hard is it to make carbon fiber parts? Turns out it's no more difficult than making fiberglass parts. Yeah. And I mean, especially like, if, if you get the sheets that doesn't, it's not like resin impregnated yet. It's yeah. just fabric. Yeah, um, yeah. Then yeah, you can mold it with some resin and. The only yeah. thing is it with, with carbon fiber, it really helps to be able to do a vacuum bag on it to, yeah. to get them really but, dense. Yeah. Right. But even that, that's, they, I mean, I've watched five or six different people with the videos and I mean, we're talking not like major companies doing this. We're talking like backyard people doing this thing and it's not that difficult and all the parts are to, to do it yourself are out there. I'm like, okay, this is. This is kind of interesting. Yeah. And even, you know, a vacuum table, you could uh, really just with a sheet of plywood and some plastic and a shop vac, mm-hmm. uh, you could you could make probably some pretty decent um, vacuum mold uh, with it with just in your garage if you wanted to. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Uh, that's what most of the stuff was. And yeah. I'm like, wow, this is hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and one guy's even making a gas tank. And I'm like, ooh, now that's interesting. Yeah. The only thing is nowadays you got to be real careful what kind of resin you use for a gas tank because even yeah. Yeah. even if you line them you're you're playing with fire literally. Yeah. Oh, you know, we're talking about gas tanks. That reminds me, uh somewhat tragic news. One of my really good friends and the guy who purchased that Suzuki Rebel TX uh or sorry, Suzuki Rebel T350 from me. And he also had that Honda Transalp that I rode around a little bit last year. Um, he passed away uh, uh, relatively unexpectedly. Um, and so, but he has a, a pretty immense motorcycle collection. I haven't yet talked to the family about what they want to do with it, but um, I'm going to have to help them figure out what to do with it. He uh, was having some pains in his abdomen and went to the doctor and and they told him he had liver cancer. And uh, just three weeks later, he was gone. Uh, Just like that. At liver cancer and pancreatic cancer, you don't have nerve endings in there. So you can be really close before you even, basically it it has to go somewhere else in your body and destroy enough nerve cells somewhere else that you even know what's going on. Yeah. Well, and also there's a lot of vasculature to the liver. Um, and so when your liver is compromised, it can very quickly degrade a lot of the rest of your systems in your body. But, um, yeah, so really, really tragic. Uh, uh, such a good friend. And, um, so I, I, 
he 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 went so quick. He told me the day he was diagnosed. The next day he was in hospice, and I mean he went so rapidly that we didn't even get a chance to talk about what his plans were for all of his motorcycles. Um, when when the timing is right, I would like to talk to the family about trying to get that Suzuki back. Um, the reason why the gas tank reminded me of it is because it has an old fiberglass gas tank and, and the coating on the inside was coming off and I was going to help him repair the gas tank. Uh, but I would like to get that Suzuki back so I can just kind of keep it in his honor. Um, and then also, if I could, I would like to get his Transalp, too. Um, it's just an unusually clean, nice example. And it would be nice to just keep around. So I, I know of a couple people who have helped who are... I experts is the wrong word. Well, actually for what maybe it is the right word, but have helped people who have family members with collections of whether it was music or cars or whatever, help them sell it or figure out how the best way to do it. And in exchange for helping them do that, they've got like one guy got his pick of who's helped. This guy had like a eight or 9,000 album record collection that was worth Mm -hmm. like, $400,000 $400,000 or something like yeah. that. So the, the family gave him like his figured out a price, what his time was worth and gave him, you know, his first pick over everything. So maybe you can say, Hey, if I help you out with all this stuff, can you, can we work out a deal? Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not the kind uh, of thing you want to do right after somebody. No, 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 the, no, no, no. A loved one. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not saying that to tough. be, I'm not saying that to be opportunistic. I'm just saying that, you know, I mean, if you're going to put well, your time and no, but, help them do it, li- whether yeah. it's listing it or handling transactions for them or however you want to do it, you know. One of the unfortunate things is, is like when I found out he was sick, I I really wanted to go see him. But I also wanted to respect his his health and, and you know, the process of, you know, mourning his life and all that. And so I didn't want to pester him or the family. Be like, hey, you know, I, I want to come. When's a good time? And then he was gone. And so I've kind of taken the that as a lesson and I want to respect the family space, but I also don't want them to just have a garage sale and hang, you know, a hundred dollar sign on this broken uh, motorcycle because the carburetors are are gunked up. But it's really, uh, you know, a, a very important piece of motorcycling history. So I want to respect their their privacy and their their space but i also really want to help them and not to prevent them to make a bad decision so it, it's yep. kind of a difficult you know thing to balance i i'm not really sure at and, what and, point and, and I mean. it's it's real different to say hey i want to swoop in and take a dead man's boots and i want to do something to help you deal with all the things that come with a death you know, right. I'm here for you rather than, uh, can I, can I pick through his stuff? I mean, there's, there's two different yeah. ways to approach that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I have quite a few spare parts for his motorcycles in my shop and, you know, they need to go with the motorcycles and they, they need to all be together. Um, some of the parts to repair some of his motorcycles I have. And so, yeah, it, it's just kind of, it, he has probably 20 or 30 different motorcycles. Um, uh-huh. and, um, you know, I would say probably only three or four of them are like perfect, ready to ride condition. The other ones are really close, but they just need little things. So I, I would hate for them to be like, well, this one doesn't run. It's obviously just a parts bike when really it just needs like this little minor thing and it, it, it could be worth so much more. So 
Yeah, they need to know all of these little things. And I know his motorcycles inside and out. Unfortunately, none of his family does. But yeah, so that's kind of a tragic. How long ago was that? Um, well, he passed away three weeks ago now. That's, I mean, you're probably yeah. okay to yeah, allow him a call probably and time say, to give him a call. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I was thinking. So I'm just like, Hey, I know there's no good way to do this, but, um, yeah. Well, he's I, got I, all the, he's got a bunch of stuff you probably don't know anything about. I'd like to help you get as much out of this as you can. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially yeah, if you that. have some of the, some of the parts, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking, yeah. speaking of, of, fuel tanks i uh on my little honda cl125 i've i've pretty much given up on the nostalgia and i'm just going to make it run with all kinds of modern parts so <laughs> i got it. i got all kinds of uh i got all the led lights and a 12 volt battery and a 12 volt uh regulator rectifier and everything i need to do a 12 volt conversion on it and yeah uh i've had a peterson uh, real nice, uh, seven inch round LED light from mm-hmm. work. It was a pre-production one and it was one of these, it was pre-production. So a lot of it was, was hand soldered and they're like, it could run a hundred thousand hours. It might, <laughs> it might work 50. We it, don't know. It might go out on a dark ride home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and they were like, you know what? We don't want to sell these. Right. So if you want a couple of them, you know, other than, running through some tests they're they're unused you can go ahead and take them so i've got one of those that i went ahead and got a a seven inch round headlight bucket to put on there and some new uh headlight ears that fit it and everything so i've got a big headlight on it i made an led tail light that looks like an old cev italian tail light out of parts from work and uh, uh i just Saturday got some LED turn signals that are, yeah. they're not the super cheap Chinese one and they're not the $200 for a set yeah. really expensive ones. They're kind of in the middle aftermarket. So, and I was looking through the, the thinking through how I was going to do this. And there's this really weird thing that Honda did with their little, uh, with their little bikes where each of the, all their six volt bikes had two circuits for the turn signals, mm-hmm. but each circuit, instead of being grounded, both connected to the two terminals on the indicator, the, the dash yeah. indicator, uh-huh. so that the power goes through one, hits the indicator, and then it grounds through the other two bulbs on the other side. And it just counts on the signal being weak enough and the little 1.4 watt light bulb being enough of an electrical choke that it doesn't light the two on the other side just because there's <laughs> enough resistance. Yeah. But the problem is that these LED turn signals are like a tenth of an amp. Right. So they're going to light up. Both of all four of them is going to light up no matter which way you turn the. St- and I was like, so I'm going to have to wire in two separate indicators one for left mm-hmm. one for right on either side of the dash so i'm going to i'm going to make a new little dash plate for it and hook my yeah you know my well, lights in and stuff and i was like just one more thing but anyways in doing yeah. all of this i took the fuel tank off and i've had a problem with it leaking around the seal the the 
the little uh, uh, filler cap hole, the the fuel filler the, hole. Yeah, the is vent a, hole or the the hole entire no, the actual, like around the cap. Yeah, the the actual okay. filler hole is yep. so beat up that I've tried to pound it into place and and yeah. massage it and everything, and it just it's going to leak no matter what. So I finally found an aftermarket tank which or fuel cap that's a combination cap it it has th- three little dials like uh the combination lock on an attache case mm-hmm. that you dial them the right one you can press a little button and pop it off and it had a a little fitting that it snaps to that snaps in to your fuel filler hole and i was yeah. like oh this is going to solve it so i put a little uh rtv silicone on there and snapped it on and i thought it was all great and everything well this morning, as I'm taking it off, I I tip it sideways a little bit, and I hear this funny sound. I'm like, it's almost oh, like no. running water. As soon as I tipped it enough that the gasoline was over the hole, it just ran out onto the. Yeah, floor. Oh. I was like, I I hope you're not having the same problem that I had with the Honda tank, where I got a a, a gas cap, and I discovered only after quite a while of troubleshooting that the gas cap um the part that goes down into the tank was was just barely touching the hump for the frame wishbone um inside the gas tank you know how there's that hump just mm-hmm. inside of a fueler hole right well the, the gas cap was touching it just enough where it wouldn't quite seal. make a perfect seal yeah no um, this, and so this yeah. has got an offset fuel filler hole on one side oh okay but this is just because the that surface is corroded and it's been banged up so much that it's i cannot get it perfectly flat i was even thinking about like jb weld and then file it down yeah and and i actually did that and it it's i tried to cork gasket i tried a rubber gasket Mm -hmm. because honda used a couple different kinds nothing will seal this up and i'm almost ready to give up and get you know one of the really cheap Asian you know yeah, do CD100 it. tank or but the problem is they're not they don't mount up in the same position. you got to weld new posts on the front and move the mounting and it's like I just want it to work I just want yeah. it to not be leaking gas in my lap when I'm riding I would I would take some shortcuts and to get not not in the fuel delivery system but um make it make it work just make it work and then that way you can improve it here and there but at least you have the satisfaction of knowing that it runs and rides right and like you know and and right now my carburetor because i was having weird carb problems where it would just die without any explanation or Uh if you held the throttle open it would it would cut out but if you rolled off the throttle and roll back on it would work Right now, my uh, carb is disassembled and has been for about the last three days been soaking in uh, about a 25 or 30 year old can of Berryman can dip. Or Berryman's, yeah. <laughs> and I opened it up. I've got one of those. <laughs> I, I opened it up and it's like, it's got all of these gray flakes of something floating on the top. And yeah. when you push it, the basket all the way down, there's just like this cloud of rust particles that mm-hmm. comes up and swirls around inside of it. I was like, are you really doing yourself any favors? Like you might just be making the carburetor worse. I, I know, and I thought I should thrust. go out and buy a new one, you know, a new yeah. can. And I, I, I remember when my father-in-law died. He had a bunch of you know 
paint cans full of different chemicals and stuff down in his basement. And uh, he was a research chemist. So he had some stuff that were like, we don't know what this is. He, he labeled <laughs> it very carefully 10 years ago, but whatever it was reacted with the marker and you couldn't read it. Yeah. Well, trying to find someplace you can take hazardous chemicals nowadays oh, to yeah. dispose of them it's, it's at cool. any price is really tough. I took them to my yeah. local municipality and they're like, no, we don't do that anymore. I'm like, where right. do I take them? I don't know. I'm like, yeah, thanks. I'm, for I'm lucky help. that I have a, I have a friend that works at a chemical engineering plant and, um, they, they, I am lucky enough where I can take anything to them and they'll test it. They know what it is and they know how to treat it and they know how to dispose of it properly. Um, but without that resource, I would be so screwed. Like I had a 55 gallon drum of something and I didn't know what it was, <laughs> but it was, it was a, a very low pH. It was something very acidic. Uh, and I didn't, I do, there, there would be nothing I could do with it. Like a 55 gallon drum of an unknown, extremely acidic substance. What, what do you do? And so luckily I took it to him and he was able to dispose of it. But yeah, it can be tough nowadays. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of low pH, I was cleaning out my, I, I just finished our bathroom that I went through the whole saga of having to drywall. And I did excellent drywall, by the way. I haven't done anything with my bikes, but nice. I did some really, Really excellent drywall work. I'm really, you know, proud sometimes of. that's more important, Pete. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. that's more important. When it's the bathroom your wife uses to get ready. Exactly. It's very important. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I got that done. I have, you know, like a bucket of mud and, and all my extra wood and stuff from there. I was like, I got to do something with this. So I was cleaning up the basement and I came across, uh, a, one of those little plastic dispenser cans of, uh, acid for an old battery that I bought like six years ago. I'm like, I got to get rid of this. But went upstairs, got a box of, of baking soda, and I had a little vitamin, you know, plastic, like maybe two-quart bottle that I dumped the stuff in, poured the acid in, it foamed up and settled down, and it was pretty much had off-gassed all the – it was still liquid, but it was, it was not off-gassing a whole bunch of CO2, so I capped it up and went up, took a shower, and, and I came down, and I said, I exploded. No, I, well, not no. yet. <laughs> I said, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I said, oh, I should throw this in the trash. And as I'm walking, there's like a little platform you have to step over to go upstairs. So there's like this little two-inch high riser that you step over to go to the over the trash can. And we have a nice finished room in the basement that you have to walk through that's got paneling and Holstered furniture and throw rug and everything. So I'm thinking, oh, it may still be off gassing. I don't want there to be any pressure. So I should, as I'm walking, stepping up onto this, I'll twist the cap off. Well, there wasn't <laughs> any pressure. Acid. Oh, no, it, it, it didn't, except I had the, uh. the only about a quarter turn of thread holding on the cap when I caught my foot. Oh. And tripped and threw it into the finished room. It bounced once. The cap came off and all of this, uh, oh, no. mineral salt just went everywhere. Now it, it, it had already, you know, neutralized. So it wasn't acidic, yeah. but I had all of this goopy, foamy, half solidified yeah. mineral <laughs> salt solution. It went on the couch. It went on the paneling. It went on boxes. It went on the throw rug. It, 
me, my shirt, my face. It was like, cause it bounced right in front of me. So it's like, I was like, I thought for sure we were about to hear a story about why you had to get skin grafts over there. No, <laughs> between no. the last episode and this one. No, fortunately it was, it was all neutral pH and had fully reacted <laughs> to that point. So I didn't oh, have to worry God. about anything, but I had to clean I'm it all glad. up and it was, yeah. you know, little tiny stuff that, stuck and then dried so i'm scraping off this this salt mineral salt solution from everything that yeah so uh, that's awesome well i think i'm gonna go to cycle gear not to change the subject rapidly but uh we don't segue I was on just thinking just that throw something out so I'm going to go to Cycle Gear tomorrow because I'm imagining they might have some deals on winter gear and what i do not have in my riding gear closet is a decent cold weather or like cold to medium weather touring jacket um so i'm gonna go to cycle gear and hope that i can find some sort of winter closeout thing um that i can wear in the fall uh so i'm gonna try to do that and then also i'm gonna pick up the transitions shield for my bell helmet that i uh have not yet worn because my motorcycle doesn't work uh, <laughs> it needs a water pump. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to go get a transition shield and pretend like I have a motorcycle to ride. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess I do, but, uh, not my FC one. Oh, I, I meant to ask you last time, has anything yeah. happened with your, with your RZ project, your supermoto RZ weird thing? No. Um, no, although I did. So I had a top end setup that I was going to use for the engine. Um, so they're actually Banshee cylinders, but they're bore, uh, a Banshee and an RZ have a stock bore size of, uh, 64 millimeters. Um, I have a set of 68 millimeter, uh, uh, cylinders that are sleeved and, 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 uh, most of the port work is done. I need to finish it up. And then fit the pistons to it. Uh, and then also a four millimeter stroke crankshaft. So it's going to be a 421. I didn't have cases or a transmission for the motor. Uh, but I did recently pick up a set of, well, it was a complete engine. Um, I'm just going to use basically the entire bottom end. I'll have to, uh, put a different clutch setup in it, a lockout clutch. Um, it's got centrifugal weights that locks the clutch up with, uh, with more force. Um, so I have everything to finish the engine for it. Uh, I need to finish porting the cylinders and then bolt it all together. Um, and that's the only last like big thing that I need for it. And, uh, I, I need to have the forks. Um, I have them compressed to the height that I want, but I need to have a suspension shop actually, um, make the forks that they need to be lowered. Uh, to fit the bike because they're actually motocross forks. Um, I was just going to have them lowered. Um, so they're more of like a, a road um, height. Uh, but that's about it. Yeah. So it's close. Uh, once all that's done, the exhaust is going to be a big challenge. Um, I'm going to end up, I, I have a set of exhaust pipes and they're actually for uh, uh, ATV, but I am going to um, fit them to this bike originally i was thinking i would do up pipes on it so um they oh, would like come TZR up 250 style yeah yeah exactly 
Uh, I'm not completely sold on that idea because uh, this being a 421cc twin, it, it's it's pretty big. The exhaust pipes have pretty large expansion chambers, and they're probably a little bit bigger than I want to try to fit um, on an up-pipe configuration. So I think I might do something um, below the motor, um, you know, underneath the chassis. So uh, I'm not sure, but whatever I do, it's going to be... Uh, basically going to have to be custom made so it's going to be quite a process so is this a priority or is this a someday i'll get around to it kind of thing uh it is a someday i'll get around to it kind of thing um most of my projects even when i'm not like actively working on them i'm still thinking about them and i collect parts here and there and then i'll just go through like a 30 or 45 day like blitz on it and finish it all up um so that's generally how my projects work it'll be done It'll be it, not certainly not this summer or probably not this fall, but probably over the winter. Next winter is when I'll I'll get it all finished up. So most everything is there. It just really needs some time and, and attention to uh, fit it all together. So, yeah. Yeah. So I um <clears throat> I was uh, I've been debating buying a couple things um for my latest daily driver and then in the process going like, hey, you know. It's not too long to spring. Maybe you should buy that electronic ignition for your bikes and maybe see if that'll make it run right. Yeah. So I'm putting it off for a couple days just because, and maybe it was a good thing that I did because I was going to physical therapy. This is probably two weeks ago now. I can, uh, no, I, did I file a bill? Uh, I probably filed the bill, um, in the proper place, not in the wastebasket. Um, and, for whatever reason, I just glanced down at my in, at my at my gauge clusters. I'm driving on the highway, and the idiot light for the uh, battery is on in my car. And I'm like, yeah. oh crap! You know what that is? That's alternator. It, it yeah. just it just what it is, right? Um, and the it'd been making the overhead light uh, dome light and making some weird noises. I'm like, eh, who knows? Whatever. <clears throat> um, and the white wipers were, weren't going at the speed they normally should have, right? So I'm like, okay, I know what this is. So I go, I make it to physical therapy and I'm like, well, I know there's a uh, like a Goodyear tire store. It turns out it was a Firestone store, whatever, up the street. I'll just go there and have them check it out. <clears throat> turns out it killed the ba- two cells in the battery, so I had to buy oh. a new battery. And then they ordered, then they had to get, then they figured out, well, now they can test the electrical system. It was the alternator. What kind of car is this? It's a 2005 Honda Element. Okay. So it's a Honda. Part should be cheap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wrong. Well, right and wrong. So as I'm waiting for like four hours for them to get parts and fix it, I'm looking up, like, what's an alternator going to cost? Like buck 25, buck 30. And I looked at like AutoZone and Napa and like 150, 175, you know. Yeah. For new. They charged me $337 for a remanufactured alternator. So by the time I got out of there and I'm like, I'm. 25 miles from home. So I'm kind of like, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Um, you're going to risk driving home with a bad, you know, alternator and stuff. $735 by the time I got out of there. Goodness. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, man, <laughs> this is you're like not- three hours worth of work at home and, you know, a couple yeah. hundred bucks and I'm good to go. Like, but it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's February, so it's colder than hell. And sometimes uh, you need it when you need it and you're paying for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. that's true. 
And, I mean, and that's what you paid for is because you needed it when you needed it. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I mean, would the smarter thing been to do is call a tow truck and spend a hundred dollars on a tow truck and have it brought home? Probably, but then it's still mm-hmm. you got to get motivated to go outside when it's right. 25 degrees and change all that stuff, yeah. right? Well, so it's done. yeah, <laughs> it's done. That's all you can do. But well, that's uh, that said, I still have I I'm still probably the next week or two probably going to order it and just rather than just pay cash for it because I've got that kind of killed my bank account a little bit, especially with um quarterly taxes coming due in a, in a few weeks, you know, it's like yeah. I set aside money and then I have spare money. And then just in case, cause let's see what the tax bill is going to be this year. Cause my wife got a pretty decent bonus and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, so I've been like trying to be pretty conservative with cash, but I'm like, it's 200 bucks. Just charge the damn thing already. Yeah. And, you know, does, does that, uh, electronic ignition come from Mike's excess? Um, no, that, I no. mean, yes, that's where I normally, I think I found it through there originally. Yeah. But um, it comes from – where did it go? Can't be that. I no. need to uh, get two new coils for my TX750. So uh, I need to place an order with Mike's XS um, and, and get those coils. Mine, uh, on a hot day, it started running erratically. And it runs okay when it's cold, but when it heats up, it starts kind of – running a little bit weird and um 99.9 sure it's one or both of the coils they're i mean if they're not the originals they're very old so uh yeah. those old yamahas are they kind of have that reputation for coils hitting up and going bad so I yeah just i didn't order a couple i didn't even think about doing that where did it go because i had it bookmarked and i just looked at it the other week um and i thought i had it in my uh, yamaha xs 400 uh folder is it a yeah plc or uh what's the what's the italian ones cetra mm, i don't know it was i mean it's it looks uh, the web page that this is on looks like it's like was built on netscape 3 <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, like, like straight out of 1997 exactly yeah. um I came across one of those websites like that the other day, and I'm like, it gave me so much nostalgia. I thought I was back in the 90s again. PVL. On AOL. Oh, PVL. Yeah. Yeah, PVL. uh... Yeah, a lot of people use those for retrofits when there isn't like an off-the-shelf application. In fact, I used to have one on a RZ350 a long, long, long time ago. So it's um, Pamco? Uh Uh-huh. Um. I'm trying to get the page to load right now, but it's XS. Yep, this is the right one. Now, yeah, from Pamco, XS400ignition.com. Um, oh, okay. And so it's specific, um, like... For six for 400s and 650s, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I'm going to put the link in the chat here. I know that the 650 and my 750 utilize more or less the same ignition, but they're not identical. And I've heard of people adapting a TX650 um, or XS650 ignition onto the 750. Um, and if you end up getting one of those ignitions at some point, I'd love to see some like more detailed pictures of it so I can see what it would be like to adapt to my 750. Because I'm pretty sure that even the 400 
Um, they all utilize basically the same breaker points plate mm-hmm. uh, and points. Um, I don't know if they have the same. Um, yeah, they, uh, they've got the picture here on the website. If you click on the on the link I put in the chat, um, there's a couple like the first page lands you and what it looks like. And then if you oh, click yeah. the one with um, there's a link right at the top there for yeah. uh, with the advancers and you click there, then. It'll take yeah. you to that page as well, and you kind of, and that's the one I'm going to order. It's like 190 bucks, and yeah. just get everything there. And yeah, I wonder what the overall diameter of it is. I'll have to maybe find that out. Yeah, interesting. I might be able to make that work in mine. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, I gotta. I'll order that probably in the next week or two, just to just to be done. Get it be done. <laughs> be done with it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Mine is because uh, mine's an E. Versus or no, it's E versus EHD. I'll have to look at that. So it's either one hundred and ninety dollars or two hundred and eight dollars. Yeah, close enough. So it makes no difference. Yeah, um, does not include coils, but the stock coils may be reused. So yeah, and coils are cheap. So yeah. and fairly universal. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, well, if you do end up with any extra money. Uh, a friend of mine emailed me and pointed out that Honda has in their parts catalog the uh, pistons for the NR750 are still available. So, Which if, is insane. <laughs> if you would like one, it costs about $1,500 for an NR750 piston without the rings, just the piston. And uh, it... That would be the ultimate conversation piece to have on your desk, though. That, that yeah, would be, that would be very cool. I guess the that, ultimate that would be is like, a, sure. like an NR500 as raced piston would be even better. But for right. something you can go out and buy, that would be really cool. I wouldn't spend fifteen hundred dollars on it, but no, um, I'll bet you could find if you wrote a CAD file for it, I'll bet you could find a machinist that would machine you one for two, three, I mean, not actually a functional piston, but machine you a piece of aluminum that looked just like it for a couple few hundred bucks. Yeah. It think. wouldn't be an NR 750 piston. You could, you could fake the, fake the Honda yeah. part numbers on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, close enough for a conversation. <laughs> yes. But yeah, no, it, it's it's pretty cool that you can still get those. And I'm like really surprised that you still can. That's well, pretty remarkable. It's probably because I'm not sure anybody has actually run an NR750 enough that they would need to replace the pistons. It's probably yeah. the five that they, you know, had on the shelf right, when yeah. the bike was made are still sitting on the shelf ready to be sold right. to somebody. So, but but yeah. you got to figure, like, Jay Leno's got to sit there and look at that and go, like, you know, like, hey, guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I've like, got one. I'm going to buy every piston just in just case. Because, just in case. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> I found right. out my boss has a uh, Ferrari F40. And yeah. evidently oh. the original equipment uh, spark plugs. Mm-hmm. were something unusual. You can get spark plugs for it, but the there was a, a production run of particular spark plugs that were made for it. I don't know if it's the brand or the, the electrical specs or something were unique. Yeah. And about five or six years ago, there was just this sudden run on F40 spark plugs 
yeah. because there were only so many and what they were selling as new weren't quite exactly the same as the OE. And if you wanted yours to be absolutely perfectly restored, you needed to yeah. have these particular spark plugs and they were going for thousands of dollars. And it's oh, like, geez. it's just insane. So it's yeah. like Pirelli, um, like once every, I don't know, someone told me it's like once every seven years or 10 years, they do specific runs of certain tires, like the, uh, like the late eighties Lamborghini Countach with this, like the super wide 15 inch tires yes. or 15 inch, you know, rims. And, um, and then like the Lamborghini LM002, um, we had some weird tires. So if you, they don't, Normally make them, but they do make special runs once every so many years. And if you want it, it's like twenty five or thirty thousand dollars for four tires because yeah. they're only. And, and you know what? When they make them, you get three sets and you and you uh, vacuum seal them so that they're still good down the road. And yeah. that way you've got them because you never know when they decide, hey, no more cappuccino for you. <laughs> uh, I know that uh, I forget who it was. I think it was Avon. I would assume it was would be Avon just did a set of the tires for the uh XJ220 Jaguar. Yeah, same thing, yeah, right? That, that they came out and they said, "Hey, we're we're making them, so if you want them, you need to get them right now." And they were again some ridiculous price, but so Yeah. Well, should we uh should we wrap it up there? We're at about uh a little under an hour, so Yeah. As always, thank you for joining us. And uh, is there anything that you guys want to promote or plug or, or, uh, uh, no, just the Facebook page, uh, false neutral. If you want to buy a Mustang, <laughs> get a hold of me. <laughs> You're a fan of the show. Maybe we can work out a little better deal, but, uh, yeah. if you've got you an NR750 piston, he'll take $1,500 off the price of the Mustang. <laughs> if you happen to have a V4 Tuano, Let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There you go. I'll take a 2012. I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, and then um, I put up a bunch of, if you're interested in board, some really boring average cars, I've done like, uh, I've got four or five reviews up on my YouTube channel, which is uh, youtube.com slash rumble strip net. Um, or just search for Rumble Strip Radio on uh, on YouTube and you'll find it. But yeah, some really basic cars like a Hyundai Accent and, yeah. a, and a Kia Soul, and <laughs> you know your usual other beret or barrage of uh, crossover vehicles that were like, ugh. Um, but yeah, so uh, go check those out. I need some views. Cool. <laughs> other than that, you can check us out. Uh, this will go live tomorrow on Hooniverse.com. Motorcycle content goes on Tuesdays. So two wheel Tuesdays and uh, we will be back again in a month. We just hope everyone listened. Someone listened this long, right? That's true. Right. To rant and rave on, on our Facebook page. Exactly. Hey, clicks are clicks. So long. Bye. Bye.